Welcome to Incubator by Planet Ant Podcasts. My name is Mike McGettigan, executive producer of the network. At Planet Ant, we pride ourselves on exploring new talent and bringing new voices to the stage. So we're bringing that to the world of podcasting. We'll regularly feature six-episode short-run series commissioned exclusively for the Incubator podcast. Some of these might become full-run podcasts of their own, and some might just stay within what we're doing here. Incubator, stick around. You might like what's next. Welcome back to Detroit Strange. That's Alex over there. That's Jess. I think we might have forgotten to introduce ourselves last time. I can splice it in later. Nobody, but nobody, no, I can just leave it a mystery. <laughs> nobody will know who we are during that last episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like, who am I listening to? I have no idea. Exactly. They'll be like, who are these, who are these new gorgeous sounding people? <laughs> yes. That's exactly what they will say when they hear me talk or yes. like cackle as I tend to do. They're like, who are these delights? I hope so. Ears? So, how, how have you been? Pretty good. I hear you've got a show tonight. I do. I do. I'm uh, doing a fundraiser show for the Ruth Ellis Center. Mm, awesome. Uh, yeah. Are you familiar with the Ruth Ellis Center at all? Via you, yes. Well, for those who don't know, the Ruth Ellis Center is a local charity that supports uh, homeless LGBT youth. And they also have a health center for judgment-free health care. So, like, for, you know, LGBT people who have special needs, especially trans people, they can go and get health care from doctors who know what's up and aren't going to be dicks. That's awesome. Yeah. So, it's a great organization. And they have events throughout the year. So, I'll probably be plugging more of them. I hope so. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear that you uh, got in in that show, and it sounds like it's going to be a great lineup. I've seen some stuff online, and yeah. I'm sad I cannot attend. Well, you have your show tonight, so I understand. Yeah. Honestly, it's probably like the only reason I would just right. prior commitment. Right. right. No, I'm very excited about the show, especially because you know, I am kind of new to stand-up, and I love that I'm able to use it to support this great cause. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Not to sound too pageant with my answer, but I really do like this. I really do like the foundation and I'm happy to be supporting it. Yes, exactly. (laughs) No, I love it. I love that it's combining two two great things that are important to you. You know, one's like a a burgeoning new creative thing that you're doing. And that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, And inspiring. Uh, You inspired me to take stand-up class, which I went to today with no material. There you go. Uh, It went fine. I took your advice. I recorded myself while I was talking and just kind of rambling about rando things. Right, because Bill just pulled out of you. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's great. And, you know, I got some concepts that I can work with. Exactly. I feel like. It's all about building on that. Yeah, so... So thank you for that. No problem. Uh, but yeah, I like this bridging of, of two things for you. That's awesome. Yeah, especially two. I like. I played a show in Grand Rapids a week and a half ago, and it was another LGBT show. And those just are so good for me because a lot of my jokes are gay humor. Mm-hmm. So sometimes in a straight room, they're like, what's a popper? Jalapenos? Love those. <laughs> nope. Not what I'm talking about. So it's inter- it's a good... But maybe just incorporate that into it. Yeah. It's part I, of it. I tried to. I, that'll be in the next set. I've got a really good set right now. I'm happy with it. Oh, good. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Should we talk about the drink real quick? Oh, Yes. 
Uh, so today's drink, not not necessarily specific to this episode. However, it's summertime, so I wanted something like a little bit more summery and I guess refreshing. So we are drinking a champagne mule, and basically that is champagne ginger beer, a little bit of vodka in there. Today we are having mango pineapple vodka. Very summery. Yeah, it seemed fun. A little bit of lime. I had a lime wheel on it too for us, and a little sprig of mint. Yeah. Because that's pretty. And it mm-hmm. mentioned that in the article I was reading about it, this particular drink, and I was like, I'm here for that. Yeah. It's a very good drink. Yeah. Sipping on it. Cheers. Cheers. Then I almost clinked. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's hard to clink stemless wine glasses. Yeah, because I guess you got to grip them. It's either like, it's either everything a regular glass or like a stemmed glass. Mm-hmm. When you're, um, what's it called to the sound? You're Dampens. dampening the sound. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Anything else new? Not really. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to hear a story? Well, there's anything to do with you first? Do you want to talk about anything? You want to plug anything? This podcast. Uh, <laughs> You're in Nowersville right now. Yeah. Oh, yes. I am in Nowersville. I've got a couple more weeks left. I believe these will actually air before the end of that show, too. That's very exciting for us. Yeah. So if you're around, come check out Nowersville, especially if you like the Ookie Spooky, because it's got yeah. some uh, some kind of undertones. Ookie Spookies in it. Yeah. It's great. I think we said this last time, but... It's really great cast and really, really well written and a lot of really thoughtful concepts. I yeah. like it because it makes you think. Definitely. So it's a lot of fun. And we're with uh, Blasio Temple. Yeah, that's a fun show too. Very interesting. It's like a show full of surreal sketches, which I didn't think could be done. But it is. Yeah, just because like surreal comedy, I love it, but it's something that I feel like doesn't get its time. So I'm glad it's getting its time. Yeah, uh, I watched it from the green room yesterday, but today I'm going to actually sit in the audience. I'm very excited to watch it like in front of me rather yeah. than just, you know, a tiny screen in the corner. Yeah. Uh, also, I've never seen a show with so many props that are food, yeah. which just cracks me up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I loved it. The first the first scene killed me, especially because I Dan as a teacher. So, like, seeing him, like, in this surreal sketch is very fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, shall we get to the spookies? I do appreciate you asking me, though. That was very nice. Yes. Have you ever heard of a building called the Whitney? I have. What do you know about the Whitney? The Whitney is the one with the restaurant, not the David A. Whitney building. Correct. Yes. Okay. The other one actually, though, was built by the same person. But we were talking about the Whitney as in the restaurant, the converted house. Yes. Yes. Uh, anything else you know about that particular Whitney building? I don't, but I know they do have a paranormal tour, which might need to be our next field trip. I would love to do it. Yeah, we'll um, get a nice dinner. Spirits. Yeah, it's like <laughs> five quarters. And spirits. And spirits. Yeah, exactly. I did have one tour where it was not a Whitney tour. It was a Detroit history tour. And it went in the Whitney for like one segment of it. And that was pretty awesome because they took us like in the basement and stuff. So I'll talk about that, some of that a little bit later. Uh, And I've also talked to a couple people who work there. Again, I would like to remind you, though, that this is not necessarily a 100% factual podcast. Some of this is going from memory. I did a lot of research on this, too. But, you know, some of the stories and stuff, they are stories. They are paranormal stories. So who knows? I love the paranormal. I believe that some of it may be true. Yeah. Uh, some of it might not be true, but I think it's a lot of fun to explore it and kind of think about it and investigate it and listen to those stories. Right. I mean, it's 2019 facts. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> so the Whitney was built by lumber baron David Whitney Jr., one of Michigan's wealthiest citizens in 1870. When he died in 1900, he was worth over 15 million. So that's in 1900. Oh my God. That was not me adjusting for inflation now. It was 15 million in 1900. Damn. Yeah. So very rich man. He was born August 23rd, 1830 in Massachusetts, so not a Michigan native. He rose through the lumber trade and moved to Detroit by age 27. He started the company with his brother, Charles, and expanded 
with their business from the east to Canada and the Midwest because where are their trees? All those places. Yes, exactly. So while starting the company, he was not only in business, he also took up interest in real estate, steamships, and banking. So multi-versatile. He is actually a pretty decent guy, too. After the Chicago fires, he donated lumber to help rebuild the city. Oh, nice. So a little bit conscientious. I didn't read anything really negative. Doesn't mean there wasn't anything, but... Seemed like a cool dude. When he first moved to Detroit to be closer to his lumberyards, he bought property near Grand Circus Park, which was at the edge of downtown at that point in time. He married a woman named Flora McLaughlin in 1860, and they had one son, David C., and three daughters, Flora, Anne, Catherine, and Grace. In 1870, David had architect Mortimer L. Smith, who also designed the first opera house, design and build a home for them on Woodward and Sprout. The home was ridiculed, though, right away as it was passe and out of date, especially for such a wealthy family. So Flora passed away in 1882 and one from shame from shame of her house. house. Yes. But he loved her very dearly. And one year later, though, he married her sister, Sarah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Some kind of love. However, this was likely out of convenience as Sarah was unmarried and an older woman. And in those days, women had to survive on their husband's wealth. And when they eventually had the house that we're actually talking about, they actually even lived on separate floors, which it was not uncommon for man and wife to have separate bedrooms back then. But it was uncommon for those bedrooms to be on separate floors. So it was probably more out of convenience than anything else all signs kind of point to. Okay, I'm not as like... It might have actually been a kind of cool thing for him to do, basically, right. is what I'm saying. It's like, you know, love his wife, so he's like, let me help out her sister. Yeah, kind of a thing. And I, okay. I'm sure she helps with the kids and stuff like that. True. And again, I didn't do the math beforehand, but I guess the kids would have been older. But it, I did not have their birth years, so you know, yeah. and there were four of them. So in 1890, at the request of his wife, David hired architect Gordon L. Lloyd, who had designed many downtown buildings, including Grand Circus Building, to build a new home, a new more fashionable home than that. Passe uh, Nights Manor. Yes, house. exactly. And that is the, the Whitney Mansion as we know it today. It was estimated to cost $400,000, which today's dollars, $9.5 million, and was reported in newspapers across the country. It made a splash, is what I wrote in my notes. It was constructed of rose-colored South Dakota jasper granite. The building itself is 22,000 square feet, has 52 rooms, oh, 10 wow. of which are bathrooms, 218 windows, 20 fireplaces. You get a fireplace, and you get a fireplace, and you get a fireplace. Also wrote How that down. How many fireplaces were in the bathrooms? We know. I'm going to guess one per bathroom. Yeah. Probably. That's the only place you really need a fireplace is the bathroom. Mm -hmm. I've been in one of the bathrooms, and I cannot recall if there was a fireplace or not. Field trip. Yeah. And there was also a secret vault. Like, a hidden vault? vault? Like, you push a book on a bookshelf, and it opens up, and there's a dial, or like... Not a dial, but I... Think actually, well, we'll get to that later. Okay, okay, okay. Numerous Tiffany's of New York stained glass pieces throughout the house. It was the first home in Detroit to have a hydraulic elevator for personal use. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And the Whitney spent an extra 250000 so $6.2 million today, on decorating and furnishing the home, and another 300000 or $7.5 million today on artwork. The mansion was, and still is, a perfect example of Romanesque revival, including round towers with conical roofs. So, Mr. and Mrs. Whitney were big fans of entertaining their wealthy friends. So many rooms that featured open spaces, mahogany, sculpture, ornate decor throughout the entire thing. So, very lavish. Thomas Edison installed the electricity himself as he was a close personal friend of theirs. 
Yeah. So in 1900, his favorite daughter, I did say that a couple places. Oh, wow. Uh, Grace was married to an American named Jacob Hoff in the house, and they were gifted a house at 79 Alfred Street, which actually still stands today. I do have a photo I'll show you later. I mean, I just used Google Maps and screenshot it. She had met Hoff in France, but hid her engagement for some time due to the fact that she would have to live in Paris most of the time, and that her sister Flora had recently run off with a Swiss philanthropist, Rudolf Dem, and was disinherited by Mr. Whitney, as he had a bad feeling about Rudolph. So she kind of was like, oh, dad's not doing so good with this. I'm just, I don't know. Flora and... She's probably fine, though. No, she's probably dead, but like... <laughs> I, I mean, she did get married to this man, and he did accept. But Flora and Rudolph were later divorced, so whatever feelings he had were probably true. Later that year, Flora, or I'm sorry, not Flora and Hoff, Grace and Jacob were living in Paris when she heard the news that her father was ill, and so she tried to get back to Detroit to visit him, but did not make it in time. Oh. Yeah. He died in the house of a heart attack on November 20th, 1900, and was buried in Woodmere Cemetery. Hudson, the owner of the stores, was one of his pallbearers. Again, he knew all the people. His funeral was held in the parlor room of the house, as were many funerals. Like just randos or like family members? Both. We're going to get to a lot of the funerals past this, but because they had this big house and they were so social, they knew a lot of people. Um, so, so it's like, hey, can I have my uncle's funeral here? Yeah. Cool. So his widow, Sarah, continued to live in the mansion until her death in 1917, uh, which she also passed away in the house. And for the next 15 years, only a caretaker lived in the home until they, the family donated it to Wayne County Medical Society to move in. They were always big proponents of health care. They, they were always kind of advocates for supporting health care, things like that. The society remained in the home until 1956 when it built its own facility, taking a few of the house's sculptures and busts with them. So nerve. <sighs> take that artwork with you. How dare you? In 1929, the Visiting Nurse Association turned the carriage house into their offices. The horse stalls were remodeled to be functioning offices. The house was also used for hospice during this time, so quite a few people passed during that time there as well, uh, which is what I was saying. We might get to it later. I'm, I couldn't find... I did look it up, but I couldn't find if it was used for funerals in conjunction with hospice care, but that might have been the case. Either way, there were people who passed away there far after the Whitney's had already left the property. Yeah. The nurses stayed there until 1979 when the property was sold to Richard Kuhn after he learned the building would be torn down when these nurse, the nurse association was leaving. Kuhn believed that it should be preserved, not for personal use, but so the public can see and enjoy it. So he renovated it for $3 million in 1986 and opened the first Whitney restaurant. When the first two floors opened, they were serving food, and the third was to be called the Winter Garden. Not exactly sure what that meant. Uh, I think it's just like, because there's a Winter Garden on the rent side, it's just like kind of like a big open indoor space. Okay, that makes sense, like for just joining up and meeting and yeah. stuff like that. It was a culinary leader in the city for many years. During its renovation, a mysterious fire started in two of the bedrooms, however. No source found other than two spontaneous combustions of cleaning rags. So that's a little weird. And a lot of times paranormal stuff does tend to come up during renovation periods because there's a weird energy. This is yeah. yeah, you're disturbing the energy and all that. In 2007, the property changed hands again and was sold to Bud Liebler for $2 million. Originally, he only wanted the carriage house, but Kuhn would only sell the property as a package deal. And the restaurant was shut down for a few weeks to renovate and update it. He put about 300000 into it, particularly into the outside garden, and renamed the third floor bar the Ghost Bar due to its tales of ghosts in the building. So now to the ooky and spooky. 
Yes. Uh, the carriage house. So this is located in the kind of back corner. If you go into the restaurant, you're not necessarily going to see this part of it. I've been out near it. I've never been in it or anything like that because not many people go in it. It's mostly used for storage now. There's a couple floors, though. And on the top floor of the carriage house is a table called Table 25. It is set for afternoon tea that has been there untouched as far as anybody remembers. Nobody knows who set it up. Nobody knows when it was set up. It is rumored, though to possibly be set up for Grace, his eldest daughter. Ghost Hunters, the show, the TAPS team, actually came here, I think it was 2015, and they did investigate the Whitney. And two of the team investigated this area and moved a cup and heard a disembodied female voice react when the cup on the table was moved slightly. There's another YouTube video I saw where there was an EVP that invited the group to sit and stay a while. Yes. There are quite a few YouTube videos of people investigating the Whitney, which is pretty cool because they do have paranormal tours and stuff like that. And sometimes they'll allow paranormal groups in. Apparitions have appeared in the windows. Full body apparitions of men and women have both been reported. Many claim one looks like David Whitney himself. His image is throughout the house. You can see, you know, portraits of him here and there. The eyes move like <laughs> scooty style. I hope so. Same. <laughs> piano noises. Both daughters were avid pianists. And a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people have heard, you know, just like random keys being punched. One of the videos I watched, two women heard the keys while they were actually looking at a portrait of his, I believe, first wife uh, in a different area. People hear footsteps. The rattling of dishes is very common to hear. A little girl in a tutu on the second floor is often seen as well. Was there any history of ballerinas? Or just Well, again, because it was used for so many things, there could be a number of ghosts for or different you know, apparitions. The other thought is that there used to be a hospital pretty close to it that no longer exists. And so anybody who would have been in that hospital, their energy could have ended up in the house. Okay. So there, there's been a couple of theories, I guess, about that. There is a caged area in the basement that has a lot of reported activity of items being messed around with, uh, being moved from shelves, being moved here and there, being kind of knocked off shelves. When the ghost hunters were there, they caught a reflection of a figure moving down a staircase. They unfortunately did not get this on tape, but they both turned around and walked towards the room and two of them saw it at the same time. So you can see a videotape of their reaction just because of where the camera was set up, but you don't see the thing that they see. People report the elevator traveling between floors and stopping with no visible passengers. This is probably one of the biggest reoccurring things. However, the TAPS team from Ghost Hunters kind of debunked it a little when they visited in 2015. They went up to the ghost bar and the elevator was doing the open closing thing, but they timed it out and it was about five minutes in between. However, other reports say that it will go to random floors and open. So, How many floors is the building? Three. Okay. And then a basement. So three with a basement. There are video EVPs uh, being recorded throughout the house. Some are kinder than others. And one of them in Mrs. Whitney's room, you can hear the words, get out, get out now. Bartender reported that one time during a wedding in which the entire mansion had been rented out, there was a little girl about five or six who wouldn't sit still and was running about. So, and this was on the second floor. The most of the wedding. A server was asked to keep an eye on her in the third or third floor bar area for a few minutes by her mother so she could actually eat. Oh, I guess this was all on the third floor. Everyone else had gone downstairs to the second floor. So the server didn't mind and agreed. So the mom was eating and he was cleaning up, you know, doing what he could do and kind of keeping an eye on the little girl. And he went into an adjacent room really quickly when he heard the little girl shriek. He ran to see what had happened and the little girl looked terrified. So he asked what went wrong and she told him a ball of light had flown out of the corner and came at her. Whoa. 
The same bartender told another story about a month after the wedding. This one involves a little boy who came upstairs with his mother, so about the same age as the little girl. The mother and son were just looking around when the boy darted out of the room into an adjacent room. He overheard the boy saying, Mommy, Mommy, there it goes. A few seconds later, the mother approached the bartender and apologized as her son kept insisting he was being chased around by a ball of light. That's, okay, so there's a ball of light targeting kids. Yep, one of those orbs I believe you you talked about during the cemetery Ooh, episode. Yeah. The same bartender, so this guy's seen a lot, also reported that once a guy probably in his mid-20s was on his cell phone making plans, the bartender her- turned to help another customer when the guy jumped out of his seat and looked freaked out. So he like stood up and was like, ugh. He asked if he was okay and the guy insisted he was, but it- he didn't really seem like it. So he said, are you sure? The guy insisted he was, but looked shaken and asked for his bill immediately. He started to settle his tab and calm down and admitted that he had seen the silhouette of a man standing behind him in the mirror at the bar, because there's a mirror behind the bar. And when he turned, nobody was there. That's yeah. This is a personal story. So this is one of those memory things. Things that I was talking about. I, a couple of years ago, talked with a server who was telling me one time they were setting up for like a tea service or some sort of special party. And they were told to use a very specific type of cup. I believe they have pink cups and uh, lavender or purple cups there. And I think that they were supposed to use all the pink tea cups, as I recall. Again, memory. And they started to get them out and like disperse them throughout the service. And when she returned to the cabinet to retrieve more, she found the purple ones out and the pink ones put away. A human could have done that too, but also just weird. And it happened a couple times. Like she would switch them and then she'd go back and that would be out. So clearly the ghost was like, no, you need to use these ones. These ones are cuter. I also listened to a story from a bartender. This was on the tour I was on about how a customer had gone into the ladies room on the third floor, which is right adjacent to the ghost bar and came out complimenting the establishment on the friendly bathroom attendant who was a little oddly dressed, little old fashioned, but very, very chatty and very nice. Only to be told that they're is no bathroom attendant. The woman then wanted to know who she'd been talking to in the restroom because why is a crazy customer pretending they're an attendant? That's weird. And so they looked at security footage to try and figure it out and no one had gone in and no one came out. They were there for like several hours and they went several hours like back. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the hottest areas of the house, the women's bathroom on that floor actually. Several people have reported seeing a woman in a long old-fashioned dress up there. Uh, Another incident in 2011 was a woman crying in the restroom on the sofa. But again, it was proven that no one had gone in. No one came out. There was another YouTube video of ghost hunters, and they caught the sound in the bathroom of a stall being open and closed when no one was, was there. So they left, like, a recording device or whatever and, like, went and explored some other stuff. And you can clearly hear, like, a latch, like, and, like, a, and then, yeah. So there are plenty more stories of the Whitney, you know, I, I am sure out there. During the tour that I was on, too, there was, like, a weird oven in the basement that they had said was used during, like, a typhoid outbreak or something. I cannot recall the specifics of this. So if you are the lovely manager who told us that story, I would love to recall that as I could not find information about that online. But there are plenty of reasons to think that if the paranormal does exist, it does probably indeed exist within that building. For sure. Basement oven, that seems so, like, odd. I mean, like, he showed us this thing. That gives me, like, have you ever read the book or heard about the devil in the white city? I've heard of it. Um, It's on my to-read list. I got through about half of it before E returned itself because it was an e-book. Okay. And, like, this guy's built this, like, giant, like, hotel, basically, with, like, the purpose of... Like, uh, homes, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to murder all these people, but, like, so this house, that they'll condone that. And a basement oven, I think, to cremate bodies so you can get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one, from what I recall, again, this was, like, a while ago. It was something like either typhoid or tuberculosis. It was one of those T diseases. Yeah. Bad memory. Uh, but he was talking about how there was an outbreak in the city, and they would use it for the bodies for that purpose. Uh. 
I, again, cannot corroborate this with any information in my research. This is just something I heard, and it's an old memory. But also, it does make sense, because, I mean, you need to do something, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, body's diseases can lay around. Yeah. And again, they were big proponents of healthcare, so I don't, I don't know if that would have had something to do with that, too. Uh, yeah. But the Whitney and the carriage house, probably haunted. Ooh. We definitely need to do a field trip. Yeah, I would love to, to do, do that paranormal. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, we should just even go to happy hour at the ghost bar. It's a delight. I'm into that. They got some nice drinks. They got, I think, half off a few apps or something like that. Ooh, love a good half off app. Mm-hmm, me too. And then it's, it is really, it's interesting. It's pretty, but it's like dated. It's fancy, but it's fancy and not necessarily the way you would expect. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, it's a historic house. So like a lot of it is like historic. I'm into that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not tell you actually about the, uh, the secret vault. So actually in that episode two of Ghost Hunters, they were playing around with this thing and they accidentally found this button in some of the uh, woodwork and they pressed it and there was actually a thing that opened up. I love that. Yeah. It wasn't quite a room or anything like that, but it was like um, some sort of like a vault. Yeah. And I think it was the secret vault that they were talking about in that construction. I don't know, though, because I couldn't find where that vault was in the particular research I I had. I had a couple books, which I'll I'll post on Facebook, some photos and such of them. But So it didn't say specifically, but then I watched that episode and I was like, oh, I bet that's the vault. But it was cool because they didn't know it was there. And the guy was like, oh, my God, do we just do we do we seriously just find it? Like nobody knows it was there. I don't know. Because, I mean, like the team go, yeah, they talk yeah. to people, but then they go in at night when like nobody's there. They did talk to the guy the next day. It probably came up, but they did not show that footage in the episode. Yeah. So who's to say? I'm sure somebody had to know it was there. Otherwise, I think it probably would have had more of a follow up at the end. Right. It's not interesting to be like, oh, did you guys know there was a spot? And they're like, yeah, I can see cutting that footage. Yeah. But it was still cool to watch them find it because they're like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Did we seriously just find that? And they were, like, so excited. It was fun. It's a good episode yeah. if you're into ghost hunting shows, which you know, I, I haven't am. watched them. I, the only thing I've seen is the Throwing Shade, the TV show R.I.P. had, like, a gay ghost hunters sketch. Okay. And it was very funny. It was just, like, you know, trying to antagonize the ghost. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to throw out the star gift card. I'm actually Somewhere. trying to write a ghost hunting sketch right now, but I'm modeling it more after the ghost adventures, which is a little uh. bit different of a, a, an approach to the ghost hunting show. But I... Again, I don't know how much I believe in the paranormal. I mean, I believe in the paranormal, but I don't think everything is necessarily true. I'm not like, oh, that must be true. It's just interesting. It's fun. It's fun. And I like to watch it. And I like to watch the evolution of it. And I I do believe some of it has to be true. So yeah. it just That's how we makes do this sense. podcast, you know. Yeah, no, I want to know more about this stuff. Yeah. For sure. And it gives us lots of field trips. Exactly. Field trip club. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. If you'd like to join our field trip. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But really, if you do, you know, we need friends. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. We could be like the, the Bad teachers. tour guides. We'll be like the teachers. <laughs> like, all right, class, come along. Here's the things. We kind of know about them. Here's a tour guide that knows more. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. 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 So that's that. Yeah. That was a great story. Thank you. It was a little all over the place, but... But no, it was good. And like, especially because I didn't know anything about the way, like I knew that it was like vaguely haunted just based off like the paranormal dinner thing. Also, they have excellent crab cakes during their brunch. I do really enjoy those. Love a good crab cake. Me too. Like not a crappy, a crappy crab cake is disgusting, but 
Theirs are very, very good. Well, should we go into the two truths and a lie? I would love to do some two truths and a lie. What you got? Gonna... What you got? What you got? I think you're going to enjoy <laughs> that. Be our theme song for it. Yeah. What you got? 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 I like that. <laughs> so what I got is so recently. It was the 20th anniversary of the movie version of... Or yes, no, the 20th anniversary of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Love which it. I know you love. Yes. I love. I was Hedwig for Halloween last year. I know. I was there. It was awesome. Uh, such a good costume. You walk that. in heels far better than I ever could. You were, like, in them all night. I was, like... There's My feet were so swollen at the end of the night. They just looked like foot shaped like lumps. They were just like I would have been out in like ten minutes. I couldn't even keep my makeup on like that whole night. Oh yeah, I remember you were like peeling off your scabs and like freaking <laughs> Jessica out. It was great. That was my favorite actually. Yeah. But anyway, so we both love Hedwig, so I figure in honor of the 20th anniversary, which by the way, I had to get the 20th anniversary DVD, so we need to watch that soon. Yes. But anyway, so I figured I'd do a little Hedwig Two Truths and a Lie, just about the show itself and about John Cameron Mitchell, just, you know, fun stuff like that. So, number one, the character of Tommy was based off of John Cameron Mitchell. Number two, Mitchell was born in Germany because he was a son of a U.S. like army person, so he moved around a lot, but he was born in Germany. And the original Hedwig wig was made from synthetic blonde hair wrapped around toilet paper rolls. What was one again? The character of Tommy, like Tommy knows yeah. this, was based off of Mitchell. This is a hard one. Yeah. I feel like two is true because I just do. I kind of feel like three has a really good possibility unless it was wrapped around something else. But I could see that because like, when you're starting out with something like you got to get creative of how you, like, do stuff and make it look good. Yeah. I'm going to guess... Oh, this sounds hard. I'm going to guess one. One is true. Damn it. Yeah. I mean, I kind of had a feeling, too, but I'd already decided the other two I had feelings about, too. It's interesting, because when I was reading the article about it, Tommy was based off of Mitchell, and the character of Hedwig, I guess, was actually based off of a babysitter he had when he lived in Junction City, Kansas. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Do I take the guess between two and three, which one's a lie? Now I'm going to guess two is a lie. Two was a lie. Ah, oh, dang it, because it he seemed normal. Paso, Not normal, but, but like... Yeah, no, he was born in El Paso, but he did move around, and he did live in Germany as a kid. Okay. So he kind of bounced around, but he was born in El Paso. Okay. Believe, that was a good lie. Yeah. It made it very hard. Yeah. Also, like, I was, like, reading the little booklet that came the DVD. So, John Cameron Mitchell and Stephen Trask, who, like, wrote the musical together, mm-hmm. they went on a plane. <gasps> wow. Yeah, they met on a plane and just, like, had, like, this great conversation to, like, I don't know, like, really hit it off and they ended up writing Hedwig together. I feel like that happens sometimes, So where two people are just meant to meet. Yeah. And they do. They have some sort of, like, chemistry, like, because chemistry can mean, like, a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be, like, you know, romantic or sexual or anything like that. It can just be like a creative chemistry yeah because i've heard stories like that too like well one of my favorite podcasts my favorite murder like they met at a party and were just like you love true crime i love true crime Ah." and like now they have an awesome true crime podcast just because of what could have been a cursory conversation right so i love stuff like that it makes me think that i should talk to people on planes more but i also don't want to no i need to sleep i like i actually edit this podcast on planes that's fantastic use of your time. I yeah. I am for that. Yeah, like when I last time I was on a plane, I like I was like putting off editing. It was the first one I edited because I was just like, ah, I'm really intimidated by this, and I I made just think I was like, you know, I'm in the air for five hours. I have nothing better to do. Sit your ass down and edit this. That's awesome. Well, I, you did a good job. I've listened to those. Yeah, no, I actually like really like editing. Awesome. Yeah. Then I will let you keep doing that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> 
No, that's cool, though. So I think that wraps the yeah. episode. Yeah. Should we tell our masses of fans where to find us? Yeah, so follow us on Instagram and Twitter at, at Detroit Strange. We'll eventually have a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Probably have a Facebook page by the time it stairs. Oh, yeah, we need to do that. And then you can also email us any of your stories, any uh, comments, any just thoughts, ideas. If you have a suggestion of something cool. Saw a funny meme. If you saw a funny meme, you know, uh, if you hate us, you can refrain from emailing, but... Uh, <laughs> Just like we pull a planet ant line here and say, if you don't like us, tell your enemies. Oh, I like it. Yes. Good one. But yeah, you can email us at DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on the Planet Ant Podcast Network. Yeah. So until later, Detroit. Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Sax and Violence. 